Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today I'm so excited because we're going to be spotlighting some of the incredible behind-the-scenes talents that helped the big hit movie from this last weekend, Prey. And for those of you who are not in the loop, that is the acclaimed Predator prequel that is now streaming on Hulu. We're going to be talking with a few of those folks who helped bring the film to life. We're going to start by talking with today's guests about how they helped shape the premises and also the setting of the story before discussing the importance of indigenous representation in film. And then we'll close out the conversation by discussing what is maybe the best way to watch Prey. I've already noted it's on Hulu, but can't wait to hear from our guests on what they think. Uh, But first up, I want to start with our first guest today. I'm super excited to welcome one of the producers of Prey, Jane Myers. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Wonderful. And also joining us today is uh, Sunrise Tipikani, who's a consultant on Prey. Sunrise, welcome. Actually, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks. It's always uh, a pleasure to be involved in anything you do, Caleb. <laughs> thanks. thanks. It's been a few years. Uh, we we had we go way back to, I think it was some tower uh, theater screening panels mm-hmm. a few years ago, but that did make an appearance on the show. So uh, longtime <laughs> listeners may recognize the voice. I just want to quickly acknowledge that before we get into today's special interview, that I want to note if you are listening to the show and you find the insights and sort of discussion we have with these filmmakers um, relevant to you and you enjoy the conversation, please make sure to support us by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcast app. Uh, Doing that's really going to help us. uh, It's going to help us grow and find more listeners just like you. But let's go ahead and get on to today's interview. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. Maui, Nita. According to IMDb, Prey is described as the origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Nehru, a skilled female warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. Uh, again, this film is currently streaming on Hulu. Uh, and, and by the way, we were talking, uh, not only has this thing been the talk of film Twitter over the last week, but also it uh, was announced today that it broke records, uh, ratings records on Hulu. So it's the most streamed debut for a film or a television show on the platform. So firstly, uh, Jane and Sunrise, congratulations on the huge success. Thank you so much. I'm just like thrilled. I, I couldn't believe I knew it would do well. I knew it was embraced by native people and the Predator has such, you know, such a huge fan base. So I know that, you know, people were ready for a little a- adrenaline uh, chase, you know, in the past. So it's really it's really exciting to see the way that it debuted. That means you know what this means, right? This means that we beat the Kardashians. Oh, man. Well, I guess the Kardashians are going to start upping their game if they want to beat the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they will. I guess they do. <laughs> so, Jane, I actually want to start things off by tossing it to you here. I mean, so I want to stop here and, and think about when we compare this to the last couple of Predator films, Prey, this takes the franchise in a different direction. So instead of sort of the current day setting that we've seen, I think, in the, the most recent theatrical release, uh, this film actually takes place 300 years ago. And as I noted a moment ago, follows Nehru, who is a woman from the Comanche tribe. So how did this unique idea develop and at what point you know during the development of prey did you join the production 
I joined the production uh, just right before pre-production when it was still in the script, uh, in the script sense. You know, I worked with Dan Trachtenberg, who is a director, and he's brilliant, 10 Cloverfield Lane. And he, uh, he also directed the pilot for the boys. So he always wanted, you know, since he was a, a kid and saw Predator, he always wanted to see the Predator fight native people. So when he and Patrick Asen, who is the writer of the script, when they uh, decided to, you know, put a script together and, you know, like come up with a plot, uh, they Googled who, you know, who are the most fierce, you know, native, what's the f- most fierce native tribe and Comanche showed up. And then that's how they developed, you know, okay, we're going to set this around Nadu. And because in Comanche, R is D. So her name is Nadu. And so Nadu means fight. And when I first got the script, um, after I interviewed with Dan, he said, I want you to read the script and see what you think. Across the top, it said, uh, all dialogue in Comanche. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, because I am Comanche and Blackfeet. I'm an enrolled member of the Comanche Nation. I was born in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is, you know, the epicenter of uh, our Comanche uh, tribe today. So for me to, like, work on something, because I've worked on things with other Native content, but for me to actually work on something with uh, Comanche content was just like, oh, yeah, I got this. I can do this. And so it sounds like, uh, you know, th- there was already sort of a, a pre-existing idea from, uh, of course, uh, Dan and Patrick. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, especially given your background, to what degree were you able to sort of weigh in on the story and kind of help shape that story with them? Quite a bit. Um, you know, it's good that I, I worked as a creative producer. So I was the main producer. And when we shot this in Canada, I was the only producer that was on set, you know, day to day you know, when we're changing some things and redoing some scenes and trying to figure out what works. So I feel like, you know, uh, Dan gave me really a lot of creative license. He really listened, you know, because he wanted it to be as authentic as possible. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I live for. I want to recorrect, or I guess, uh, redesign the image, you know, of native people in cinema. So for me, I wanted it to be, you know, uh, as authentic and beautiful as possible and show our Comanche people in in a different light, not just as the underdog, not just as the villain, but, you know, show us like as a world, you know, like you, you follow, like you're in the Comanche world when you watch this film, right? Yeah. I mean, it really does feel like uh, from a different time. And I love, you know, the, the film, uh, slight spoilers, I guess, vague. There are other people who are, are not from the Comanche nation in the film. And, you know, typically you probably see it the other way around, you know, where you're following those people, but it really sort of kind of takes on a, a whole new sort of like vibe, you know, because you're, you're talking to people who have lived off the land um, versus people who are taking the land. So I guess in another sort of way, this is a, a film about fighting off foreign invaders. I, I don't know. What, what, I mean, did that in any way sort of play into sort of a, the way you, you, you presented the story? Yes, because there are quite a few predators in there, you know, and there's a lot of different types of prey. You know, you see like the leveling up with the animals because, you know, if you're a big predator fan, you know, the predator has his code, just like native people have their core values. You know, we're guided by our core values and tribal values. Same thing with the predator. He's got his values. He wants the best fight possible. He wants to fight the alpha. He's always looking for the alpha and to fight the biggest and the best, you know, so he feels like, you know, I mean, he's hunting. So, uh, and then he doesn't fight anybody that's unarmed, you know, because he wants that he wants that to feel that good fight. So it's kind of um, it, I think it's a really interesting matchup. I love it. 
Absolutely. I mean, and you have a terrific cast here. Uh, I mean, you have the lead Amber Midthunder. Uh, you also have, uh, I think, uh, De- you know, Dakota Beavers and Michelle Thrush in here. Uh, Prey really does feature in, in a talented indigenous cast that really grounds, you know, the the film for the audience. Uh, you know, from your perspective, I mean, why is it so important for indigenous people to be represented thoughtfully and accurately in film and television, including or especially science fiction like Prey? Uh, Jane, I'll start with you on this one, but uh, Sunrise, I want to hear from you too. I think it's really important because we've been misrepresented throughout the whole history of film. You know, many of the earlier films were cowboy and Indian films, and then the Indians were like make-believe. So we've always been, you know, our traditions, our customs, even all the way to language has been misinterpreted. The songs, you know, dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. Yeah, so it was was really important for me to impact this, even with music. So, you know, I I think that's... um, you know, it's, it's shifting this film and what I had hoped, you know, while I was working on it, that this would be a shift in a paradigm, you know, in a paradigm that's been set by non-native people. But also when you have a native producer that can make those decisions and that's there to say, no, that's not right. That would never be done that way. Or even, you know, other things like we want to do this whole film in Comanche. Why should you know, we should do it in Comanche? You know, it just has a whole shift in a new light. Because if your project depends so much on native culture, then you need to go the whole hundred miles and throw the put the language in there too. You know, hire many uh, you know like language uh, people or advisors or producers or writers. You know, to make sure that your project's really truly authentic. Great, Sunrise. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I just think it's um, in today's culture where everything is so mediated and viewers have so many choices it's easy to think that that's a representation of everything that's in the world. And even though we've got work like this, that's starting to depict an indigenous perspective. It's, it's still a a fraction. And this film has done some amazing things and it's going to be a a great benchmark for future work um, process about how to make a film as well as what the film's about and um, how to incorporate language, how to incorporate uh, cultural ambassadors or, um, advisors. I think all of that is really important to increase the amount of representation, even beyond indigenous. You know, uh, the cinema basically or television is basically just a mirror of culture. And the more that it approximates what's actually happening, the better people feel that they're being heard and that they're being represented. Right. So I feel like all that's really important. Um, Also, this film is a, it's a genre film and we generally don't think about uh, indigenous artwork in the form of like conventional American genre films. So I think it's important for audiences to see that indigenous people are just as relatable in conventions of genre that are hip and cool. And it's not just like the Western from the, you know, the 17 and 1800s. Um, we still live and breathe and we still like content that is um, relatable to all people. Um, so I think those things are really important to, uh, uh, investigate and to perpetuate, I guess. Great. And, and Jane, you mentioned, of course, uh, you know, you are of the, the Comanche tribe. I mean, so, so could you elaborate a little bit more here on, you know, how your background and heritage, how did that inform some of the creative decisions and even, even down to how you worked with some of the actors on the screen during the filmmaking process? Oh, absolutely. So I grew up traditionally, I was raised by my grandparents. So I just thought about this today in a previous uh, interview uh, I was influenced by my grandparents who were like 
two generations away from me who told me stories about their grandparents because my grandmother was raised by her, her grandparents as well as my grandfather. So it's like another two generations. So like my, my whole childhood and my stories that I heard were, and my upbringing was based on like four generations ago. So if you think about that, a lot of people nowadays aren't, uh, impacted with that so much history. And uh, Native people are the classic storytellers of the Americas. You know, we have oral traditions and oral stories that, you know, are passed down. So I think that, you know, that's really, really important because we are the originals, you know, original storytellers. So that really was easy to come into play. Also, um, I grew up on a uh, out in Faxon, Oklahoma, and uh, Apache, Oklahoma. I grew up on Cache Creek, shooting bows and arrows, and you know, playing with knives and uh, stuff. With my, I was the only girl, and there was a bunch of uh, boy cousins, and you know, I grew up doing that. So, you know, relating to the the uh, the people on set, it, it was really easy to do because they had a boot camp, and I stationed instead of being like having a cushy office, I made a little satellite office in in the production area where they had their base camp, so I could be influential, so I could talk to them and tell them, no, you should do it like this, or this is how they would react, or you know, we even developed all the um, the uh, the paint that you see. You know, it's not war paint because these people, well, eventually they kind of go to war, but but they're on a hunting journey, you know, so. The these paints that they used are for like protection. You know, maybe it's a family design, maybe it's a family paint. So everything I think that I've done in my life, whether it was fine art, because I'm also a fine artist and, you know, everything just kind of culminated, you know, I'm a traditional artist. I know how to make regalia and do beadwork and quill work and, you know, whatever needs to be done. I was able to use that to really impact every, every part of this all the way down to music. So um, it was kind of, it was, I mean, for me, this is like the one project I think that really, you know, sometimes you work on projects and you're like, oh, this will, this, this will use this part of my talent or oh, I can use my talent on this part. But this was like, I feel like my whole being and I poured my soul into this project. The film does feature a female lead, which I, I imagine was also pretty exciting. I mean, was that uh, something that you were excited to see? I think it's really important because I followed the, I mean, I grew up, I was, you know, a young woman when uh, Predator came out. So when I saw Predator 1 and 2 and, uh, you know, Arnold just like hit the screen and showed us an action hero that we've never seen. And if you think about other franchise films, you have Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, you know, you have. Uh, Terminator and you have uh, Linda Hamil Hamilton but like Predator in this franchise has never had a woman hero and here it is we have a woman hero who is Native American and you know I mean that's never been done so this this film bridges a lot of first-time things you know which is which is really important we have first-time actors this is like my first huge project that I've produced on like huge studio project the new Arnold is a Native woman I mean come on that's great. You know, one of the things I like about the original film is that in a lot of ways, it's it's actually subverting like the, the machismo uh, action hero trope. And I think you guys took it to, I mean, my perspective was you guys took it to the next level by saying, look at this badass. She can do, you know, go toe to toe with Arnold. I think this makes her relatable because like when you see somebody all muscled up like Arnold, will I ever look like that? No, I never will. You know, would I ever be in those situations? No, I seriously doubt it. But when you look at Nadu, you know, I mean, people have been camping. People, you know, women can relate to her. She's a very relatable character because they can see a lot of themselves, 
you know, in, in her, you know, do brothers and sisters fight? Oh yes, they do. You know, siblings fight, siblings argue. There's not a meeting of the minds. Do you, you know, what about your reference group? You know, your hunters that are you with, are you like in total agreement? No, they're not. You know, I mean, it's very, very relatable. And I think, you know, coming on the crest after the, you know, pandemic, you know, people are looking for that adrenaline, you know, they're looking for that adrenaline rush. I need an action, you know, movie. And let me just be transported here for a couple of hours to take me, you know, out of like the real world. Right. No, absolutely. The, the relatability is, is in a lot of ways, like you said, more accessible, I would say to the average person, because uh, very few of us are going to get buff like Arnold, even if we spent our whole lives yeah. trying, you know. So another really unique thing about Prey here is it has the exciting distinction of being the first feature film to include an all Comanche dubbed version. So could you elaborate a little bit more on how your team approached this alternate all Comanche dub? Oh, yes. Um, very carefully. Um, because when Dan first pitched this film, you know, like probably four years ago, uh, because you have to remember there were a lot of things that affected the film. Disney purchased the Fox assets. So, uh, 20th century Fox became 20th century studios for Disney, big overhaul, big change. So the film was stopped for a while. Then the pandemic happened. Nobody was moving forward. Everything was stopped. So when Dan first approached the uh, this film, he always wanted it to be in the Comanche language, in a native language, just like I said, across the top of the thing, all dialogue in Comanche, right? So I was just like, wow. So, um, you know, we had to kind of be strategic because now with Disney, you know, they were like, no, I think you need to do this in English, right? So I said, well, why don't we just put some Comanche here and there? And when we put Comanche, you know, throughout some of the scenes, it really made the scene. And our executives were like, you know what? We kind of like that. That's really nice. When we're in post-production in March, we got the green light to, why don't we do a Comanche dub since it's going to be on Hulu? And this is in post. So you're working with post, right? Working with a film. And then all of a sudden you need to dub everything. And there is no model. There is no model on how to, until now, and how to uh, dub a whole film into a language because we had a, a date that we had to get the whole film turned into Hulu. And that was with the Comanche dub. So it was like, ah, cause here we were like pushing it this whole time. And then they're like, well, Jane, you know, you can do this. Right. And of course I lied. I'm like, yeah, of course I can. So, you know, I was like, ah, what am I going to do? So I reached out and I got our best Comanche uh, linguist guy Narcomi. And he even wrote a Comanche dictionary, highly educated. And he, he was a, able to, um, you know, come, uh, come and help me with the conversational. And then we added on, uh, later, probably in May, end of May, uh, the Comanche nation language program. So you have your two best language components there, you know, to help complete this. We recorded guide tracks in Oklahoma city. I got to see sunrise like for a minute, but you know, we recorded the guide tracks because things have changed uh, when it comes to dubbing in uh, a language, the actors have the first right of refusal. And since we had a predominantly native cast, everybody wanted to reprise their role in Comanche. So with everybody wanting to reprise, then we needed to have those guide tracks so they could learn how to, um, so they could uh, hear it and learn how to perform it. And then we did that in, the, you know, in sound studios. And it was amazing. 
Very cool. And uh, I mean, again, I just think it's so cool that you're providing those those options. It's it's uh, in a lot of ways, it's more it's more inclusive. It's more true to the original vision um, and it's more accessible to certain groups of people. Uh, I will you know, I, I heard rumors of uh, of screenings in Comanche uh, out there amongst uh, film goers. So, I mean, it's just super exciting that that is out there and, and hopefully, you know, setting a new standard for how we view uh, dubs and even subtitles. Uh, you know, maybe this gets us one step closer to doing a full release, um, you know, filming the whole film in, in Comanche, uh, you know, for the next one or something to that effect. Um, yeah. So if you look at the, if you watch the Comanche version, which I would urge you to, uh, you will see that like there, it looks like they're speaking Comanche because we matched the length since. Okay. So in the future, let's say if I get to do a project again in the language, I would want to do it at the time of production, you know, but since it was after production, we kind of had to tailor the language to fit. And Sunrise, you can say what you saw because I invited him to come see the process and to see what it was like when we were doing the guide tracks. And he, he's like, he's brilliant. So he can probably give you a, his better opinion. Yeah, it's really amazing just sitting there and seeing them as they try to, you know, time out the duration of speaking, right? Like the pre-recorded image, a line of dialogue in English has a certain runtime, but then there's also like the movement of the lips, the bilabial movements. And those things needed to be matched in terms of the rhythm. And then it has to be like arranged grammatically. Like those are the two things that were being balanced out. It's quite an interesting process. You could really see like the the very distinct problem solving, like language problem solving. How would we say this in this abbreviated amount of time? And then how does it relate to what's coming up? What, what's going to come next? And then does it flow well? Does it match the lips? It's really interesting um, process. And uh, it, it really kind of challenges some grammar. I know that like uh, some viewers are really fascinated by the grammar when they listen to it. But it, there's also like this belief oh they're actually saying it because it's it seems like it's coming out of their mouths um it's really matched one of my main things when we when we decide uh decided to do this i said i do not want this to look like a godzilla movie mm-hmm. you know i don't want to see you know totally not matched or you know whatever so you know that was really important and that that was really you know helpful when tailoring the language because yes like sunrise said everything just fits perfect yeah, very cool. So, uh, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen the film yet, I do highly recommend checking it out. It does add uh, a certain uh, level of authenticity, and uh, I can can agree with the panel. It's a, it's pretty tremendous uh, and very impressive achievement. Um, now, Sunrise. Uh, so, it sounds like you were a part of the, the the dub recordings. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your role. You know, sort of consulting on this project. So, so what point during production the production of Prey did you get brought in to to advise? And maybe if you could elaborate a little more, uh, what area did you specifically take a look at? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I mean, Jane would have a better idea about where in the process I was. I'm pretty sure that I was just in the process of the rough cut post. where I was first. Yeah, yeah. rough cut and post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was brought in at a rough cut stage, and it seemed like I was there to kind of give some feedback about the clarity of the, the narrative um, from a Comanche-specific perspective. Um, and because of my background in production and uh, also having an understanding of like describing the process as a filmmaker, I was able to perhaps give some suggestions about refinement, um, not just story perhaps, but also like because of the form of filmmaking, right? Because it's like, you know, shooting and sound and editing and performance and all those things. 
And uh, so I saw a cut of it in December, I think. And I'm not sure which version. I'm sure there were multiple versions prior, and I'm sure there were multiple versions But you versions saw it early. And, that, yeah. and you have to remember with this type of film, because it is a, a franchise film, is Predator. So he, when he saw it, he saw it without like all the CG and VFX, because all of that takes time as well. So he just got to see like truly a rough cut without, you know, like kind of placeholders for the animals. And, you know, hopefully he was able to visualize. Did it come out like you visualized Sunrise? Yeah, I mean, the what I saw in that moment and the stuff that remains, it was clear then. I, and perhaps just because I'm so used to looking at things in revision, but I could see the right. direction it was going. And I've seen a lot of the refinement. It's, um, it, it didn't... Um, it didn't shock me, I guess, in the way that maybe other audiences who haven't seen a rough cut or unfinished visual effects would respond to it in favor. Um, but I thought it was working. Like there were some amazing moments that uh, it only got stronger. But I think those were probably my, my. I don't know if they were contributions, but they were suggestions. Uh, just They were down. contributions. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting down and having a conversation about what I thought the story was from a perspective of somebody who was Comanche and what I felt could be added or refined to either clarify or to eliminate, I guess. It seems like there's a lot of things that I saw in that suggestion process, whether it was like me or other people, but I see a lot of refinement in terms of how we understand Nadu's relationship with her family, with her tribe, um, but then also her skills in relation to animals. um, And then, also, just as a fan of the series, I guess I was able to identify things that were happening across the franchise, and it seemed like some of those things got a little bit refined. Yeah, so I was very privileged to have this opportunity. I thank Jane for allowing me to have a sneak peek and to have some influence. <laughs> I really trust Sunrise, and Sunrise, you know, as a filmmaker and his opinions and his able to, you know, I mean, we've worked on a couple of projects together, um, so... I think we have, haven't we mm-hmm. worked on a couple? Yeah, we've worked on a couple. Yeah. And then he knows some films I've worked on as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I really appreciate him being able to look and be able to be willing to help. So that's really important. Uh, nothing beats a great collaborator, right? Uh, that you want to go back to, to and work with again and again. At Sunrise, the last thing I want to ask here, I mean, it sounds like, I, you know, I, I know in our conversations, you're you're pretty familiar with the series, or at least to, to varying degrees. I, I mean, what would you say that was the most compelling part of advising on Prey for you personally? The most compelling part really had to do with the fact that I was looking at a, a Comanche-specific story. It was something that I could really identify with as a Comanche member nested within this like world that I was a fan of. So like, that was really amazing. I felt like all of a sudden my people were being heard and were being included in popular culture. Um, But then also that there's like symbolism from the culture that's being incorporated into the art form. Um, There are vocabulary and there's like a relationship with our own history of like um, stories Um, and then what it means for us to develop, it feels like there's a model in this character's growth, uh, for people in our community. I felt like all those things were a really amazing thing to see. And I, they would not be there without Jane. It feels like that's very clear to me that like the benefit of having somebody from a culture working on a film that's about that culture has such depth. Um, many audiences probably won't see it. Uh, but definitely the audiences that are of that background will definitely 
embrace it. I mean, that's happening. I think that's one reason why it's so popular. And then I think it's just going to have a longevity and a new form of um, audience building that didn't exist with just the genre or just the franchise. I think that's really amazing. People are already messaging, are you making a Prey 2? When do you start on Prey 2? I've been on this project for 22 months. 22 months I haven't been off yet. And, you know, and uh, I was just talking about that with the director earlier, Dan. And he's like, and I was on it because it, and he said, I never thought it was going to get made because it was like, yes, we're going to do this. No, uh, the studio's going through some changes. Yes, we're going to do this. Oh, no, there's COVID, you know, everything. So he was just like, I, you know, when they called me and said, you know, we greenlit your project, he's like, really like you're actually going to make it he was kind of you know surprised so you know he and he's been on it longer than me so and now that we're getting all these you know people are like what about pray too can you do a pray too i want i want you guys to do a pray too and we're just like ah that'd be great but you know we've, we've been on this for you know a while right we need to kind of rest a little i know i do <laughs> You got to recharge the creative energy, right? So you can come back and tackle a second one. I mean, because you, uh, you already answered my next question. I had to ask the sequel question. I mean, but the, I mean, it seems like a perfect recipe. You made a tremendous, incredible film that I've literally been telling everyone I know to see. Uh, it sits at 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, lots of social buzz. And as we mentioned earlier, it's a, a huge hit with the uh, Hulu ratings. Again, huge congrats to you, Dan, everyone who worked on the film. Um, again, I, I think this is a, a huge achievement. And uh, frankly, I, I'll say I'll say this speaking for myself. It's my favorite one since the original. And I, I think there's a very good uh, argument to be made. It's, it's better. So uh, anyway, just huge kudos Thank to you, you guys for the tremendous work. Thank you. The Rolling, Rolling Stone said it was a long awaited masterpiece. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like who says that about a, you know, about a franchise movie and a predator movie and you know it just shows you that like native people have a place everywhere. I, no doubt that there are many more stories uh, from the Comanche Nation that can and should be told, whether it's on the big screen or streaming services. I'm going to start to wrap up, but a couple of other quick questions I wanted to ask you. We spent most of the time talking about the exciting premise and all the setting and some of the characters. What would you say the thing that sets Prey apart from previous versions of the Predator for you? You know, if we, if we outside, we, we, we've talked about the cultural background and sort of like the level of authenticity and everything you guys brought to it. But I mean, also you're making a really cool sci-fi movie, right? So like what sets us apart? What sets it apart is that if you never saw any of the Predator franchise, this movie was built like a standalone. It's a standalone movie. So you could, you know, watch it without even seeing Predator 1, 2, 3, 4. And you would be like, oh, I understand this. You would get it. You would get the premise of, you know, what guides the, the Predator, you know, his, his codes. You would get the premise of the native people. I mean, so it is a standalone. But now, like, I have a lot of friends that have watched it because they're not, you know, Predator movies really aren't my thing or whatever. Now I get text messages. So now I'm going back to watch all the rest of them right because it you know it's bringing people back to that franchise you know they want the history i want to see because this one was so good i want to see you know what happened to number one and what happened in number two and also you know we have the easter eggs for the regular fans you know because the predator franchise has a huge demographic huge more than any other film i've ever worked on uh and, you know, like I said, we uh, premiered at Comic-Con, you know, we did a world premiere at Comic-Con and 
everybody just loved it. And that's, you know, I mean, the audience and the, the fans that enjoy Predator. But I think it's going to bring a lot of new people to it. And also, you know, like the demographic of Native people. Native people are watching this and watching it over and having watch parties. And, you know, I mean, that's amazing, you know, to just see a whole film embraced like that. Sunrise, anything you'd add to that? I'm just really, uh, well, I'm, I'm a fan of the series. And I, I like a lot of the films in the series a lot of people don't like. So I'm, I'm willing to apologize for some things. But because of that, and this isn't one of them, like the, everybody loves this film. But the uh, the amazing thing about this particular predator is just like looking at a predator at the early stage of what a predator is and seeing how it's like processing what it needs to do on this planet is really interesting. Uh, the production design, like uh, the kinds of weapons he's using are so unique and distinct for the for the time period. Um and then, like what Jane said about these Easter eggs, I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of see, we can clue into, like, behaviors that fan out into successive time periods. Um, and we start to get a sense of, like, why the Predator acts a certain way in a following film. Um, there's some very explicit references um, to some of them, and some that are very subtle, just about character, character building of the Predator across the series. I thought that's really awesome. I, I think that's... Uh, a strength of anything that thinks about franchise over time. Like uh, people will complain about certain Marvel films that don't seem, don't seem to be integrating well, but it feels like Dan and Jane did a lot of great work to like allow this to work across all of the films. And I feel like it enriched my understanding of future films, which is really awesome. I guess last main question before we wrap up here, the film is currently streaming on Hulu. Jane, can you tease us? Are we going to get some super cool theatrical release down the road? That'd be pretty cool. Well, uh, who knows? I would stay tuned because you just, you know, we just may, I mean, it's, I mean, because it's doing so well and, uh, you know, the Predator fans want to see it on the big screen. We've been doing a native community engagement screenings. Uh, We did one last night here in Santa Fe. Every time we do a community screening, they are sold out. Sunrise came to our screening in uh, in Oklahoma City. Wasn't it full to capacity? Yeah. You know, it's just so great to see all the people and people want to see it on the big screen. So, you know, we're pushing. We don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? We pushed for language and look what happened. So there you go. All right. So listeners, uh, check it out on Hulu. Stop what you're doing right now after you finish listening to this. If you haven't watched it already, go check it out, uh, number one. Uh, Number two, stay tuned for more. It sounds like uh, with the success we're seeing, we might see exciting things with the Predator franchise uh, moving forward. Sunrise and Jane, it's been such uh, a pleasure uh, talking with you guys today. I want to give you one last chance to to add any uh, some closing thoughts. Is there anything else you'd like to add about Prey before we wrap up today's conversation? I would say the one thing we re- really didn't talk about is the music, and I think the music is really quite amazing. Um, it's a different uh, composer, and the theme has some really uh, kind of interesting inter- instrumentation, um, and it's a really good composer. And it's a great score. So I would say, like, if you don't check out the film, which you should, uh, check out the score. Uh, And then when you're done with the film, if you've seen it, then go listen to the score. Yes. We had Sarah uh, Schachner, who uh, composes gaming music. So this is her first time to compose a score for a feature film. But I was able to incorporate people that are famous within our native world as musicians like Robert Mirabal. He came last night and he was just like blown over with, you know, he's never seen the film and he's never seen the final product. 
So uh, he, he showed up to the screening last night. We also had Comanche people in there that we did some uh, length, I mean, some um, music research and we have traditional songs that are sung too. And then uh, one thing I want to say is the um, end credits. Did you see the end credit sequence that's animated? It's incredible. Isn't it? It's like a little mini movie within a movie. And uh, we had Cass Kipp, who was our, I want to say art director, but I think the term that we had was, um, you know, she was the uh, in credit uh, project coordinator. So I reached out uh, to seven Native American fine artists that are painters and that do ledger art, because ledger art would have came after this time period of the movie. So at the time, they were still drawing on hides and doing what's called hide art. So that's what you see is a hide art representation. And, um, you know, we had like seven, you know, fine artists working with, you know, animation on this film. And so it just kind of opened the doors for them for new projects. But also it showed, you know, we're Native people, like we're vast. We're as vast as this movie. Like anything that needs to be done can be done. And look how it's, you know, in a really cool way just to see, you know, that animation project. I think she did a great job. And I was, I just like to watch the credits. I'm like, oh, let me see. Let me see how, you know, because it has action to it. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing. Well, I think we are about out of time today. Sunrise, Jane, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Uh, great. Jane, last question here. Um, where can listeners keep up with either you personally online or uh, for more information on Prey on social media? On social media, you can look at Predator. You know, there's uh, we have a Predator social media. We have uh, we also have one for Prey. You can also like look me up personally because I need more followers. So please, people follow me at, at the Jane, T-H-E-J-H-A-N-E, the Jane. Follow me. That'd be great. All right, listeners, you know what to do. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time. 